about it so often. Because there's days I wake up and my body may feel a certain way and I forget I have authority over it. Come on. Well, there's days we get up and, 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 and all craziness is going on in our life, but I forget about it. I forget that I have authority to speak over the craziness of my life because my job is to bring heaven and earth into harmony with each other. Mm. And so what Jesus is telling us here, he says, I'm going to put you in a different situation. He said, I'm going to put you in a situation where you're not slaves anymore. Matter of fact, he says, I don't call you slaves anymore. I call you friends. Well, Paul goes on and, 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 and expands on that a little bit more. It says that we have been made, and we're going to read this in a minute, more than friends. We have been adopted into the kingdom. Ah, wait till we get there. So if we've been adopted and Jesus has given us the keys, then that means that we have rights to everything. See, we're no longer... I thought about this today. Me and a... Uh, have you ever been to Krispy Kreme? I'm talking about a real one. They got the glass and you can press your nose up against that. Smell those rings of heaven going down the conveyor belt. That's who we were. All the goodness was on the other side. And we could only hope to get to the goodness. But what Jesus did, he walked in and said, hey, this Krispy Kreme is mine, and here's the keys. You can come and go when you want. You can come in and enjoy the goodness that I have for you anytime you want to come in. It's the kingdom is yours now. We have to get this if we're going to understand operating in the as citizens of the kingdom. The kingdom is yours. We're not trying to get it. We're not hoping it comes. He says, I am giving you the keys of the kingdom. And whatever you bind, whatever you take authority of on the earth, the same thing, the declaration will be what's happening in heaven. And whatever you release on the earth, ha -ha, he said, it'll same thing will be released for you in heaven. Jesus has given us the keys. When, when Adam stood in the garden, they, partake, they partook of the fruit. Here comes God. Let's hide ourselves. They had already covered themselves in, in fig leaves. I didn't know this. Did you know fig leaves are the, one of the most scratchiest, itchiest leaves there is? They covered themselves with pain. When, when God come down and could have set them free. We talked about this Sunday. Rather than seeking repentance and seeking God in repentance, they, they sought excuses. And so from that point on, we were always looking outside because there was a transference of authority. The enemy came in and took authority. But Jesus <laughs> came down and said, all authority has been given to me in both the heaven and the earth. And I am going to give you the keys of this kingdom until we realize that we have kingdom authority on the earth now. We're always going to be run over by what the enemy puts in front of us. Go to Ephesians chapter 4. I hope I can get this out the way I got it. Ephesians chapter 4, <coughs> verse 5. He says, but God, being rich in mercy, I'm, uh, yeah, five, did I tell you all that? Oh, yeah, it's, it's two. <laughs> Never mind. It's Ephesians chapter two, verse four. <laughs> Let's try it that way. Ephesians chapter two, verse four. But God, being rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, we've been saved. So while we were even dead in sins, Jesus was coming to make us alive in Christ. And look at verse uh, 6. And he raised us up and seated us together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. He who sits on the throne has the authority. 
Nobody walked into a king's castle, told the king, hey, won't you scoot over and let me sit down there with you. But what happened was that God was so rich in mercy that he made us alive in Christ when we were dead in our sins and he invited us to come up here and to sit in the throne of heaven. See, he said, I'll take you and I'll have you seated together with Christ. Now, you've got to go back into Psalms. He says that God is, uh, he is enthroned in the heavens and the earth is his footstool. Well, where does that put me, Rachel? Seated together with Christ in heavenly places. My identity is found in my position, not in the name that I call myself. And the position that I have, Jody, is I am seated with Christ in heavenly places. So from a heavenly standpoint, you and I are to be operating as kings along with Christ. He invited us to get with, to join him in ruling and reigning. And he called us to sit on the throne. This is just where you are, Carrie. It's who you are. It wasn't me and you. My brother and I, brother-in-law, and I was on the phone today. And he said, you know, you know one word that really, one phrase that really bugs me? And I said, what? And I love it when, when people's eyes get open. He said, I hate to hear people say, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. I said, yeah, wonder where you heard that before. Why? Because if I say, well, I'm just a sinner, what, what, am I, I'm, what am I doing? I'm saying my identity is still sin. Not my identity is thrown. I was a sinner, and I was a good one. Anybody else? All right. I was a sinner, and I was a good one. But he took me out of that kingdom. He transferred me, and he took me high, so high that he sat me in heaven with Christ. And while I sit on the throne with Christ, I also have the keys to his house. And so my position is my identity, not what I call myself. And besides, for me to go around saying I'm a sinner saved by grace, you can't be both. You're either a sinner or you're saved. What is it? That's bipolar thinking. I'm not, I'm not, look at me, look at me. I'm not afraid to say it, Pastor Ted. I'm not a sinner. Well, you mean you never sinned? Didn't say that. I never said I didn't sin. But I'm not a sinner, Idra. You know why? Because while I was still in my sins, he came, we just read it. While we were dead in sins, he made us alive in Christ and seated us together with him in heavenly places until we as a body of Christ understand that we rule from the throne, not from down here. Because down here, too much stuff gets on us, Galen. The garbage gets on us. The hurt gets on us. The pain gets on us. The filth gets on us. The stink gets on us. Because we've decided to come down. But we are supposed to be ruling and reigning from heaven. We are seated together with Christ. Go to Luke chapter 10. Go to Luke chapter 10. I am so far ahead and behind at the same time. It's not even funny. Luke chapter 10, verse 17. Listen how surprised his disciples are. In case you thought he just had 12. Okay. The seven, verse 17, Luke 10, 17. The 70 returned with joy. So on this particular outing, he sends out 70 disciples. Okay? And the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even demons are subject to us through your name. See, when you, when, why, why is that important? Because if you used the name, 
it carried the authority. Mm. Mm. He said, even demons are subject to us through your name. Well, last time I read my Bible, I said God's not a respecter of persons. What he does for one, he does for all. So if the demons were subject to his name with them, guess who else they're subject to? Well, they're subject to the ones that sit on the throne. <laughs> they're subject to the ones who hold the keys to the kingdom. They're subject to the ones who's been brought out of the kingdom of darkness and set into the kingdom of his dear son. Folks, it is time that the body of Christ realize that even the powers of hell themselves cannot touch us until we get this, that even the demons are subject to us because we carry that name. My goodness. Go to Luke 4. Luke chapter 4. Say, you are not flipping too much. Luke chapter 4, verse 17. No, 31. Luke chapter 4, verse 31. Then he went down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and was teaching them on the Sabbath. They were astonished at his teaching, for his word was with what? Authority. And in the synagogue, there was a man who had a spirit of an unclean demon. And he cried out with a loud voice, Leave us alone. What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. Now, what's Jesus doing? Here he's showing them the authority that they have. I'll throw this out there. Authority is not volume. And the church needs to realize this really, really quick. Because we've, we've, this is how we've been taught. Mom's not serious. Dad's not serious. Grandma, somebody's not serious until their face is red and they're screaming at the top of their lungs and then you know trouble's coming. And so that's when they're serious. And we think that's authority. So what do we do? We scream at the devil. If you're a Motley Crue fan, you shout at the devil. Um, right, Amy? She don't know. She's lying. Um, we'll pray for that later. Uh, we shout at the devil. We scream at the devil. We do all these things. And I know sometimes it's just our emotions we get into and we're declaring some things and our voices get louder. But we have to understand our authority is not found in our volume. Our authority is found in our position. You don't have to shout at the devil, scream at the devil, do all this stuff. You walk in such authority. You, remember, you reign from the throne of heaven. You walk in such authority that all you have to do is walk in and go, shh. I don't know why we think we went, Shh, come out! Because we've watched enough televangelists do it. We've watched enough televangelists, they're afraid to say amen that. We've watched enough televangelists do it. He never said you had to scream. Your authority is not in your volume. Your authority is in your position. And you are positioned with Christ in heavenly places. You hold the keys of the kingdom. Everything that has a name has to bow at the name that you are going to utter. Mm. It's your position, not your volume. Let's go back there. Thir verse uh, 35 in Luke 4. And Jesus rebuked him saying, be silent and come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him down in their midst, he came out of him and did not hurt him. So what happened when Jesus rebuked the demon? It obeyed. Yeah, but that was Jesus. Well, what made Jesus special? Who he was. We'll read a scripture here in a few minutes. Jesus was the Godhead embodied. Father, Son, Holy Spirit all represented in one body. Mm-hmm. But, I, you know, and that's why Jesus could do those things. But what did Jesus say? I'm going to give you my keys. 
to where I reside. Not only am I going to give you my keys, I'm going to share my throne with you. And he who sits on the throne binds from heaven, binds in heaven and looses in heaven. He binds on earth and looses on earth. He has authority over the enemy. When will we get this? That even the devil is subject to us through his name. Verse 36. And they were all amazed and said among themselves, what a word this is. For with authority and power. When you understand you have authority, then you'll understand your power. But if you never understand your authority, you'll always feel powerless. Do you think a king who sat on the throne ever wondered if his decrees were going to be fulfilled or not? And he didn't get mad about it. He gave a decree, it went throughout the land, and that decree became law. Well, where are you? Seated together with Christ in heavenly places, holding the keys to the kingdom. So not only is there authority in what you say, but there is power behind the word you say. Ah, oh, merciful sakes, folks. And they were all amazed among themselves, what a word this is. For with authority and power, he commands the unclean spirits, and they come out. That word authority, let's look at it. That word authority means legal power. It's legal. It's binding. It is the right to command or to act. It is power, rule, and sway with authority. And so you and I walk in this authority. If you haven't figured out today, that's what we're talking about, is kingdom authority. And, and because of that authority, you and I have legal power. We have the right to command. Mm. We have the right to act. We have the right to rule. We have the right to sway a thing. Where did we forget this? You know why the first century church turned the world upside down? They walked us out. And over the years, we've been given a watered-down Jesus and a watered-down religion and a watered-down Christianity. The, the, the message of the kingdom got lost and the message of those who rule in it got lost because let me tell you it's a whole lot easier to control a group of people who don't know who they are oh. Thayer says this about the word authority the word authority is the power of authoritative influence you have influence you have influence in your life you have influence in your children's lives. <laughs> Listen, you know, I, and I've done this, I don't know how many times, Galen, well, every time I get on a plane. You walk through that little door, I touch the side of that plane, and I said, God, they are so blessed that I'm on this flight. <laughs> Do I not? I said, they're blessed I'm on this flight because this flight doesn't take off until it's ready because I'm on it. There's been times I've sat on a runway for a long time. Well, we found a crack in the nose cone. When it took off, it went. You're blessed because I'm on there. Your job is blessed because you're there. Why? Because you brought the kingdom of heaven into your job site. Well, now, how do I bring the kingdom of heaven? Because you have the keys. You have the throne. And everywhere you go, you bring this kingdom into every situation that you walk into. You guys take it to school. Oh, come on. You take it to school. You take it to work. You, you, you take it to wherever you go. When you walk in, there is authority straight from heaven. 
just waiting for somebody to release a word. Mm. Thayer's goes on and says this of authority. It says, it is the power of him whose will and commands must be submitted to by others and obeyed. When he says, I give you the authority, that means your commands and your will must be obeyed by others. Now, we're not talking about going in and doing stupid stuff on top of people. Remember, our, our battle is never against flesh and blood. We're not trying to take authority over people. <laughs> That's called witchcraft. What we do have is the authority to walk into a situation and to bring the spiritual realm into harmony with the heavenly realm. Because my will and my commands, according to the authority that's been given to me, must be obeyed. He goes on to say that it is delegated right. We're going to get there. It is the delegated right to speak and act on behalf of a king. <laughs> if I have authority, I have the delegated right to speak on behalf of the king. Well, who's the king? Well, Revelation chapter 5 tells me Jesus is the king of kings. <clears throat> chapter 5 tells us he's the king of kings. So when I speak, I speak on behalf of the king. Why? Because I am seated here with him. I hear his words. I hear his commands. And then I am charged with on earth as it is in heaven. I am charged with the mandate to bring heaven and earth into harmony. And only someone with authority can do that. You have it. I have it. Strong's dictionary says this of authority. says it's privilege. Hear a lot about that word anymore. It's privilege. So what do I have? I have the privilege to be an ambassador of the king. It is force. It is capacity. It is competency. It is freedom. It is mastery. Listen to what he says of mastery here. It is concretely magistrate. See, when you speak, it's like a magistrate speaking. Anybody ever went to magistrate court? I have. I ain't going to tell you why, but I have. <laughs> when the magistrate speaks, that becomes the rule of law for my life. You become this magistrate in walking in Christ's authority because he gave you the keys. He who has the keys owns the house. So what did he give me the keys to? The kingdom. Hmm. So when I speak, I speak as a magistrate that the law has been set down. If we would grab this, it says it's superhuman. Strong says of authority that it's superhuman. It is a potentate. It is delegated influence. We all know police officers. You know, police officers really don't have power. What they have is authority. And they know that they can go in, do their job. When they say freeze, everybody freezes. Well, if you don't, there's a price to pay. But anyhow, but what they have is they know they have the whole power of the government that they're serving behind them. Do you realize that you, walking in the authority of heaven, when you speak to a situation in your life, it's nothing about you. It's the authority. It's the power of who you are speaking for. It is what backs you up. Dee and I was going down the road one day, and I had a little Camaro, and I was going too fast. Thank you, Jeff. I come around this curve, Galen will know what mud fork, 
right in front of the Markham's place. So they say, he knows, West Virginia fellas. But I come around this curve, and here's a guy standing in the middle of the road with a stop sign. And I am going too fast. And I hit my brakes. And I'm, I mean, the nose of that Camaro went, I mean, it dropped down, man. He didn't move. Stood there like this. He didn't, he did, did he flinch? He's going, ah! Why? He had no power to stop that red Camaro. He had no power. But what he had was the authority of who gave it to him to stand in his spot and say, you will go no farther than this until I say you can. Folks, do you realize that Jesus said, I am giving you the keys to the kingdom and you can sit on the throne with me so that when the enemy comes against you, you can stand there and say, you can go no further than this and you're stuck until I release you. This is authority. In and of myself, I have nothing. I can have no power to stop him, but I don't go on my power. I go on the authority that I've been given as a kingdom kid, as a member of the kingdom of heaven. And I have in that authority, I have all the authority of heaven. See, it's not about power. It's not about brute force. But I don't know this all the time. Jesus received, go to John chapter 5. Jesus received his authority from his Father. He passed that authority on to us. So in that, and we'll look at that a little bit more in a minute. In John chapter 5, verse 19, he said, Then Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of Himself but what He sees the Father do. For what He does, likewise the Son does. What's He doing? He's operating in the authority. He don't try to go out here on His own. He walked in the authority that was released to Him. For the Father loves the Son and shows Him all things that He Himself does. And He will show Him greater works than these so that you may marvel. For as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the Son gives life to whom he will. Jesus gained his authority of everything he did. I was talking to Tabitha yesterday, and I told her, I said, do you want to know the will of God in your life, in all of our lives? What is the will of God concerning things? Just go look at Jesus. He said, I come not to do my will. I can, he had no will. I did exactly what the Father said. So if you want to know what the will of God is concerning things, and we happened to be talking about sickness at the time, it's not God's will or else we'd have saw Jesus making people sick. Help me here. Jesus did what the Father. Jesus said, I come not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. So what you see Jesus do is the will of the Father. And what he did is he put those keys and that authority in you so that you can do what you see the Father do. <laughs> well, how do I know what the Father would do? I look at Jesus. And when I see what Jesus did, then I emulate that. What does Christian mean? We, we say Christ-like. It was actually a, a bad term one time. It actually meant little Christ. And they thought they were making fun of us. Don't realize that was a prophetic destiny being spoken over you. <laughs> that you are the body of Christ. And the body does what the head tells it to. Because it walks in uh, authority. But God wasn't enough just to have Jesus play this part. Go to Colossians chapter 2. Man, I hope we get this. Renee, I hope I don't forget this. Because I do sometimes. You know? I do. I know I'm not the only one. Colossians chapter 1, look at, no, Colossians chapter 2. 
Sorry. Look at verse 9. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. So what was the will of God? Look at Jesus. Because in Jesus, the whole Godhead was represented. The, tri the Trinity of God was represented. The Godhead, the fullness was right there in Jesus. But look at verse 10. And you are complete where? Bob, if you're complete, that means you lack nothing. That means nothing's missing. You're not coming up short. Oh, when will we get this about ourselves? That we aren't in lack of anything. And then when it comes to spiritual authority, I am complete, Pastor Ted, in Him. It's not about me. It's about who stands behind my words. It's not about my power and my ability. It's about from the position that I speak and who backs up that position. He said, and in Him you are complete which is the head of all principality and power. So we're not missing anything. We're not coming up short. We are complete. Oh, goodness. We are complete with God as he intended us to be. He always intended you to be complete. Let's look at verse 11. <clears throat> In whom you are circumcised with the circumcisions made without hands. Now look what he done here. In putting off the body of sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Do you know what happened to me, Ted? When I said yes to this salvation, I put off the body of sin. I can say I'm not a sinner. Why? Because I put it off. I don't carry that anymore. Can I still sin? Yes. Do I still sin? Sometimes. <laughs> but that does not a sinner make. <laughs> uh, sinner is a habitual, perpetual thing. Just like somebody takes a drink doesn't make them an alcoholic. put off that body you realize you're not even carrying the moment you said yes to this salvation you don't carry that old anymore and for me to keep going back and say hey God remember this and remember he goes no I don't why because you put that off now only thing I know about you is you sit here on the throne with me and you hold the keys to my house and you make declarations and whatever you bind on earth I'll bind in heaven and whatever you loose on earth I'll loose it from heaven because from here your authority, the power comes out of your authority. Mm. Some of y'all need to get that. In putting off the body of sins of the flesh through the circumcision of Christ. He cut that off. We all know what circumcision is. It's the cutting away. Well, what cut our sin away was the cross. It cut that body of, uh, of sin away. Um, go verse 12. Mm. You know what? It's funny. How in spite of the cross... The majority of people, believers, myself included sometimes, we still give the enemy room in our lives to work. Was it Nipsey Russell? Well, the devil made me do it. I know if you're under a certain age here, that makes nothing to you. But you know what? The devil doesn't make you do anything. Christ set us free. We're going to look at this a little bit more. From that... You know why I still fall into sin? Because I'm stupid. <laughs> I still choose it. I still try to resurrect a dead zombie nature. That it's already been dead. Well, imagine if I just get up my head and said, oh, I don't ever have to live that way. You mean you can go without sin? Nobody can go without sin. And Jesus. Why do you think Jesus died for you? So that you would cut off the, sin, the body of the sins of the flesh. You don't have, look at me, I'm not afraid to say it, you do not have to sin. 
You don't have to. Well, everybody does. You don't have to. Why? Because of the circumcision of the cross. I cut off. Verse 12. Being buried with him in baptism, in which, you all, in which also you were raised with him. Do you realize that by Jesus taking, by the Godhead represented in Jesus, taking human form, he became the vicarious man. He represented all mankind. Come on. Because he had to fulfill some things that was prophesied that you and I were just not able to do. So, we, so Jesus represented all of humanity in himself. So that when he was buried, Phyllis, I was buried with him. You were buried with him. And when he resurrected, see, this is what baptism proves. Baptism is just that outward expression, that outward showing that this person was buried, but they were raised again. It just shows what happened to you spiritually, that you put to death that old body of the flesh and the sin, and you were raised to sit on the throne. You were given the keys to the kingdom. Ah. Oh. Buried with him in baptism in which you also were raised with him. So his resurrection was my resurrection. Verse, verse 13. And you being dead in your sin and uncircumcision of your flesh, he has what? What's those last two letters? E-D. What does that mean when you put that on the end of a sentence? So say it louder. That's past tense. So where am I now, Carrie? I'm resurrected. That means I'm not dead in my sins anymore. This is, a, this is kingdom authority. I'm not dead in my sins anymore. I have been resurrected the uncircumcision of my flesh was cut away on the cross. Mm. He, re he has resurrected together with him. Oh, you ready? This gets good here. Having forgotten, having, sorry, having forgiven you. How many? So how many of my sins are forgiven? There's not one left. You can't find one. Yeah, but I remember what you did. No, you remember what my old body did. Because there is something that happened to me when I was translated. I became a whole new creature. I became into a whole new kingdom. You don't remember anything I've done because that sin is no longer attached to me. All of my sins have been forgiven. He doesn't unforgive my sins. He has forgotten them. And so, well, who do you think you are operating as saying you can operate from the throne of heaven? That's where I live. I'm a citizen. Having forgiven all your sins, verse 14, he blotted out the handwriting of the ordinances that was against us. Everything the enemy had against you has been blotted out. The enemy can't even remind God of my sin. Mm. <laughs> you mean you don't sin ever? Didn't say that. I still have the ability. And it's easy sometimes. Oh, it's easy. <laughs> it's easy. But I'm not a sinner. Why? Because I operate in a different authority now. And he blotted out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us. And contrary to us, he took it out of the way, nailing it to the cross. <laughs> Everything that the enemy had spoken against me, he nailed to the cross. And there it died. And he resurrected me. And he resurrected me and sat me on the throne. 
and put me in the place. Verse 15. And having disarmed authorities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them, how? By the cross. He disarmed authorities and powers. Everything that had authority over me and everything that had power over me has now been disarmed. Oh, my goodness. That word disarmed, according to Thayer's, means to wholly strip off for oneself. To take for your own advantage. (laughs) Everything, all the authority and the power that the enemy had, he completely stripped it off and took it for my advantage. Webster says it means to take the arms or weapons from another, usually by force or authority. To deprive of someone of force or strength as a means of annoyance. (laughs) It means to render harmless. You hear what the enemy is now? He disarmed him, Ted. He made him harmless. He made the enemy harmless. Man, if we could get this. If we would let this get in our spirit, what a triumphant bride he would come back for. One who has made heaven and earth harmonize. Jesus' victory on the cross caused a complete transfer of spiritual authority to take place. And from those who were defeated to those who were triumphant. Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. Let's read that again. I've got just a couple more scriptures here I want to give you. And I've got about 10 minutes to give them. Because Dehava said I had to be on time tonight. <laughs> she didn't. Matthew 28, 18. Then Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go to Luke 10. We've got to put all this stuff together. I want to give you a bad translation of a word here in a minute. No, I'm not translating it bad. It was translated bad. Luke 10, verse 19. Behold, I give you power. That word power is not dunamis. That means power. It's exousia. It's authority. He says, and behold, I give you power, or really should say authority, to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means harm you. Jesus, <laughs> Jesus said, I'm giving you the authority to walk straight into hell. <laughs> walk straight into where the enemy lives. And now, let's go way back to the beginning. Prophesying of Jesus, what did God tell Eve? He said, he'll bruise your heel but you'll crush his head. And so what Jesus say? I'm giving you authority to trample on. What was prophesied of me, I now release to you. Uh, what was prophesied of me, I now release to you the authority to trample. What do you do? On serpents and scorpions and not only those little things of the enemy, but over all the power of the enemy. You are just like Christ. You are Christ-like. <laughs> oh, we, how the Bible fits together from Genesis to... Man, for somebody to ever think you don't need that old covenant, you'll miss what God is trying to tell you in the new. He told Eve, he'll crush his head. And Jesus turns around and looks at you and said, I'm giving you the same power that I got. You'll trample on snakes 
and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. John chapter 14. This is kingdom authority, folks. John chapter 14, verse 12. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me will do the works I do. (laughs) He who believes in me will do the works I do. And he will do greater than these because I'm going to my Father. Now, how do you do greater than raising the dead like Jesus did? Well, it's not greater in significance, really, but it's greater in number. Why? Because Jesus was one man operating like this. What he did was set free millions upon millions of Christ-likes. Oh, goodness. With the same authority that was prophesied of him back in Genesis. That over all the works of the enemy, greater, you know why greater should be done? Because we should be operating as the triumphant bride of Christ, the ones who he's coming back for, those who have that authority. And when we step into this and we begin to honestly believe this, there's nothing going to hold us back. Mm. Verse 13. For, what I, for I will do whatever you ask in my name. There's that talking about that name again. I will do it. Whatever you ask in my name, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I'll do it. So we're called to do the same supernatural works. But we don't have enough faith to believe this about ourselves. We have enough faith to believe we ain't going to hell. But we still haven't developed that faith to rule and reign yet. There's been glimpses here and there, Idra. But I believe the time has come when the bride of Christ starts walking in her kingly authority and being who Christ developed and said that she could be. Go to Romans chapter 8. I might get there. (laughs) We'll try, Katie. Romans chapter 8, verse 15. For you have not received the spirit of slavery again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. And the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirits that we are the children of God. We're not trying to be the children of God. We are the children of God. And if we are children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. That means whatever Jesus gets, we get. And Jesus went, shh, come out of him. And because we can't believe that it's that easy, they throw an exclamation point on that. Just for us good English-speaking people. So we get this idea that even Jesus screamed, your authority is not in your volume, it's in your position. And joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him. Well, see, we got to have some suffering. We got to have some suffering. Well, he also says, I was baptized with him and I was resurrected with him. He already did the suffering. And I was with him. We've already shared in that suffering. I'm just suffering for the Lord. No, you're not. Anybody ever heard that one? (laughs) I'm just suffering for the Lord. No, you're not. He already did the suffering. He doesn't expect us to do it. We were baptized with him, resurrected with him. Another part of the scripture says we were crucified with him and we shared the suffering with him. Folks, why don't we put this stuff together? Because look what he says here. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we also may be glorified with him. 
That's how God sees you. Glorified. Your authority flows out of your position. You carry the authority of the spiritual realm because you are a child of God. You're a member of the royal family. And we, as a body of Christ, need to start exercising the authority that we have been called to. How do I do it? Mark chapter 11. I'm going to read this out of Wycliffe's version. If you don't know who John Wycliffe was, this is actually a version that's older than the King James Bible. Okay? Because the... uh, Translation is closer here. Mark 16, verse 20, Mark, Mark 11, verse 22. And Jesus replied, let the faith of God be in you. Let the faith, the Geneva Bible, which is also older than the King James Version, translates this the same way. And, and everyone before King James translates this. From King James forward, we get have faith in God. But before that, it was always have the faith of God. Well, how can I have the faith of God? Because I'm a child. I'm an heir. I'm a joint heir. I hold the keys to the kingdom. I sit on the throne. I trample on snakes and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Let the faith of God be in you. So what happens when I realize that I have the faith of God? Listen to the truth I speak to you. If someone says to this mountain with great faith and having no doubt, mountain be lifted up and thrown into the midst of the sea and believe that what he says will happen, it'll be done. So where's the shortcoming? It's not in God. Again, Tabitha and I was talking about this yesterday. The shortcoming's not in God. It's just me. Verse 24. Because he says, if I believe what I say, it'll be done. Verse 24. And this is the reason I urge you to boldly believe. My goodness. Boldly believe for whatever you ask for in prayer. Believe that you have received. There's those two letters again. What what is it, baby? Past tense. Believe that you have received. Received. When we pray about something, we don't say, oh, God's going to, God's going to, God's going to. I say, oh, God did it. Well, why don't it look like he did it? Don't matter what it looks like. Because <laughs> I'm just going to believe the words that are coming out of my mouth. And I believe that I have received. And he says, if you'll believe what you believe, what, what, that you have received, whatever you ask for, what's he say? You, it will be done. It will, I like Wycliffe's version, says it will be yours. The entire invisible realm of the Spirit waits for your words. They're waiting on the words because our words carry authority. Remember Genesis, and God breathed into man, and man became a living soul except if you go back and read the old it says a man became a speaking spirit your authority has to come out of your mouth your authority has to come out and it's got to come out of you speaking no king ever rules and never opens his mouth you have to begin To open your mouth. Philippians chapter 2. You can flip there if you want. In the early part of the verses it says, Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God. Wait a minute. How How were we created? And let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Wait a minute. How's that? He says, because you're going to come up here and sit on the throne with me and I'm going to give you the keys to my house. I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom and let this same mind in you that was also in Jesus. 
But what did Jesus do? He didn't think it was something to be grabbed at and, and, and held on to. He said, I'll become a servant. Don't ever forget that you are here on a mission. You were put here for a purpose. Be the servant God called you to be. But let that mind remain in you. But anyhow, I wanted to go to verse 9 of Philippians 2. He says, Therefore God highly exalted him and gave him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven and on earth and under the earth. The realms that God created obey the name you utter. Heaven, earth, and hell. Everything. When you come into your authority and you're standing there like that little dude holding a stop sign and you say, you're not coming past here, heaven, in Jesus' name, no more. Heaven, earth, and hell all pay attention. Because at the name that just came out of your lips, they have to bow. And the mountains have to move because you're speaking an authority that is backed up by heaven itself. What in the world have we been doing? First Colossians chapter 1. We've read this one every week, and it'll probably come up every week. Verse 13. He has delivered us. There's, the, there's those two letters again. Past tense, Ted. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and has transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son. So we were brought out of power of darkness and transferred into the kingdom of his son. Go to Romans chapter 8, and I'm going to read this out of the Passion Translation because it is a beautiful translation of this, and we're going to close on this verse. Romans chapter 8, verse 19 from the Passion. You ready? King James says that the earth groans for the manifestation of the sons of God. The revealing of the sons of God. I love how the passion puts it here. It says the entire universe is standing on tiptoe, yearning to see the unveiling of God's glorious sons and daughters. They're not hidden by anything but our own eyes, our own perception of ourselves, our own understanding of authority. And the universe stands on, all of creation stands on tiptoe. King James says that they, it groans for the manifestation. So eagerly waits. All, do you realize all of creation is waiting for us to get this? All of creation is waiting for us to get this. And when we do, what was the purpose of Jesus? The last Adam to restore the garden back to a kingdom. <laughs> and then he said, trample on it. Use kingdom authority. Come on, body. Come on, bride. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. Amen? Let's pray real quick. Father, we thank you for today. I thank you for who you are. Father, I'm so forgetful sometimes because I don't remember this about myself. So when I ask forgiveness and forgiveness for us all, let today be the day that we choose to remember that we have been given kingdom authority on the earth, that we have been called to rule and to reign, according to Corinthians, in life. And let us totally see this transformational shift in our minds to who we really are. In Jesus' name, amen.